Last week, uh, we looked at one of my favorite passages. Uh, this is another. I'm running out of favorites. This is a great, a great passage. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from an old Presbyterian pastor, a guy named Jack Miller. And Jack Miller liked to say, cheer up. You're a lot worse than you ever imagined, and you're more loved than you ever hoped. And that is, in a lot of ways, a great summary for today's passage. Cheer up. You know, you're a lot worse than you ever imagined. You're a bunch of sheep. But cheer up. Right? You're a lot more loved than you ever dared to dream. Right? You're not just sheep. You are God's sheep. He calls you mine. Today's sermon has two points. Point number one is that we are sheep. And point number two is that we need Jesus. We are sheep who need Jesus. We need a good shepherd and we need a way back into his fold. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about sheep and we're going to talk about Jesus. But let's first talk about sheep. How many times do you think human beings are referred to as sheep in the scriptures? Any guesses? You are so close, Jonathan. It's, it's about 400. Thanks for, thanks for shouting out. Can I ask you another question, John? How many times do you think God is referred to as a shepherd? Yeah. yeah, how many times? Woo. Not quite that many. It's closer to 100, but gee, that, was, that was a good guess. 400 times we are called sheep. 100, roughly 100 times God is called a shepherd. This sheep-shepherd metaphor is one of the most popular and pervasive in all of the scriptures. And what that means is if you want to know who we are, if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what the two of us are like, you really need to know a thing or two about sheep and shepherds. I am not a sheep expert. We have a few in the crowd. Tom and Nancy Smith, I'm looking at you. You know more about sheep than I do, uh, but I do know a thing or two. Right? And one of the things I know is that sheep are grazers. Okay? They are not browsers like deer and giraffes. Right? Sheep don't eat bark or leaves from the tree. Rather, they eat a lot of grass and clover and forbs. They eat with their heads down and with their noses to the ground. And they will do this for hours. Right? Quite literally, hours chewing grass and munching on clover. Hours moving from one grass clump to another, and then to another, and then to another. You don't need to know a lot about sheep, but you need to know that they are grazers who love to eat. They are quite literally driven by their appetites. And this poses a problem, and here's why. If you don't move sheep from pasture to pasture, they're going to overgraze it. Left unchecked, which is to say like left unguided, sheep will eat and eat and eat until there is nothing left over in the field. That is why sheep need someone who's going to guide them from one pasture to the other. It's why they need someone who will lead them and someone who will feed them. Overgrazing is not the only problem that sheep face. Because sheep are driven by their appetites, it's easy for them to get hurt and lost. Think about it. All a grazing sheep sees is grass and clover, right? Its nose is to the ground. Its eyes are on the prize, right? Grazing sheep don't pay attention to the world around them or to the other sheep that are grazing beside them. 
That is why grazing sheep are so prone to wandering into danger, whether it's wandering close to a river and falling in it and drowning, or wandering dangerously close to a cliff and falling off. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, serves them right. I mean, dumb animals. Shouldn't they look up every now and then? But don't rush to judgment because you and I do the same thing all the time. According to a new study from Safe Kids Worldwide, it's a DC nonprofit, 40% of teenagers say they've been hit or nearly hit by a car, bike, or motorcycle while walking. Any guesses as to why? Exactly, yes. Like sheep, they're moving from one place to another without looking up, right? They're not paying attention to the world around them. They're looking down at their cell phone as they run a red light, walk into oncoming traffic, and get hit by a car or a bike or a motorcycle, sometimes even a train. Believe it or not, that has happened, sadly. Right? Noses to the ground or noses to our iPhones, all a sheep sees is what's right in front of them. And that is why sheep get hurt and is why sheep get lost. A grazing sheep is driven by its appetite. It moves from one grass clump to another. But sooner or later, right, the grass runs out. And do you know what happens when it does? The sheep stops. It looks up. And then it says, Uh, Bob? Larry? I'm just, I'm just kidding. It doesn't say that. Right? It says, Bob! Right? Larry. Seriously, though. Right? When it dawns on the sheep that he has been separated from the flock, when it dawns on him that he is lost, right, the sheep starts bleeding out and crying for help. Sheep need someone who is going to lead them and to feed them. But sheep also need someone who's going to seek them out when they are lost. Sheep need someone who's going to hear their cries for help and come to their rescue. Finally, sheep need someone who's going to stand up for them. They need someone who's going to defend them. Sheep are pretty pitiful. I mean, they're helpless to defend themselves. If a wolf gets into a sheep pen, sheep do not fight back. They don't try to spread out and run away. Instead, they huddle together And in that sense, they sort of make for like an easier target. That's why sheep need someone who's going to stand up for them. It's why they need someone who's going to defend them. They need somebody like David, like the shepherd David. When King Saul said to the little boy David, David, you're not able to fight Goliath, right? You're just a boy and he has been a man of war from his youth. David answers, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when a lion or a bear took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this Philistine shall be just like one of them. A good shepherd loves his sheep. He leads them and he feeds them. He hears their cries for help. He comes to their rescue. He stands up for them and he defends them. A good shepherd is what a bunch of sheep need. And it's what we need as well. 
It's what we need too, because like sheep, we are driven by our appetites, and we are prone to getting hurt and getting lost. Now, it's true, okay, right? You and I don't crave grass and clover, but it doesn't mean that we're not driven by our appetites, right? We are. The question is simply, what is yours, right? Some people are driven by it for an appetite for pleasure. What they crave is food or alcohol or drugs or sex. They don't just consume these things, right? These things consume them. Some people are driven by wealth. And the problem is, if you worship money and things, you will never have enough, and you will feel like you never have enough. And many studies prove this. According to a 2013 study from UBS, it's an investment bank, 72% of millionaires with, less than one, with more than $1 million but less than $5 million consider themselves poor, Right? Only 28% of those millionaires with more than one million and less than five consider themselves rich. They never have enough. For some, it's not pleasure or wealth that drives them. Rather, they are driven by a need for approval. This is something I wrestle with. Maybe you do too. Maybe it's the reason why you are obsessed with your grades. It's why you're working 60 hours a week. It's why you can't stop, fuss, can't stop fussing over your kids, right? It's why you're not going to the gym once a day, but twice a day. Some, like pop star Madonna, are driven by the need for notoriety. In a 1991 interview, Madonna told Vanity Fair, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. By way of contrast, I recently read an interview with Will Smith uh, in Esquire magazine. I was at the gym, and I flipped through it. Um, I'm not a subscriber. (laughs) Anyway, Will Smith and Esquire said that after his film After Earth flopped at the box box office, uh, he had to stop working for a year and a half. I had to dive into why it was so important for me to have number one movies, he said. You see, for the longest time, Will Smith believed that in order to be happy and have, quote, The love my heart yearns for, he had to be the best at everything. And it took the failure of After Earth to change that for him. And I want you to hear what he says in this interview. Quote, after Earth comes out, I get the box office numbers on Monday, and I was devastated. But that Monday started the new phase of my life, a new concept. Only love is going to fill that hole. You can't win enough. You can't have enough money. You can't succeed enough. There is not enough. The only thing that will ever satiate that existential thirst is love. It's pretty good. I think Will Smith is right. But the question that you and I need to ask is, whose love? Right? Whose love 
do you need? Whose love is going to slake that ache? Right? Whose love is going to satiate that existential thirst? Sets us up nicely for point number two. Before we go there, let's just recap what we've said so far. The Bible says that we are sheep. Our appetites drive us. Our appetites estrange us from others as we greedily pursue this thing or that. Like sheep, we are easily misled. And like sheep, we are easily lost. Which is why we need someone who's going to find us and rescue us. We need someone who's going to protect us, not simply from the threats out there, but from the idols in here. We need someone who's going to properly feed us. We need someone who will fully satisfy us with his love. We need Jesus. I had to put a finer point on it. We need a good shepherd, and we need a way into his fold. My friends, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you today. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. What does he mean when he says that? Well, let's look at each of these statements in turn. First, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says that right in verse 11 of John 10. When, John, when Jesus says, I am the... Uh, excuse me. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd... He is making a very bold claim about his identity. Right? First and foremost, Jesus is saying, this is who I am. But literally, he is saying, I am who I am. Right? I'm Yahweh. I'm God incarnate. And if you will grab that Bible that is in your pews and turn to me back to that Old Testament passage, uh, Carly read for us, Ezekiel 34, I want you to see this with me. Right? Turn to Ezekiel 34 with me for a moment. It's found on page 611. All right, with Ezekiel 34 before you, you can look right down at the first six verses. All right, these verses are laying out that we have a problem. It's saying in six verses that we are sheep without a shepherd, that we are lost and that we are weak, and in so many words, we are dead meat. It says that in verse 5. Right? We are food for wild beasts. Now, six verses introduce us to the problem. Right? Verse 11 shows us our solution. Right? The solution is a good shepherd. Right? The solution is someone who's going to find us and feed us and rescue us and defend us. The question is, who is that going to be? And friends, the answer is startling. Verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will gather them. I will feed them. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the the injured. I will strengthen the weak. Right? I, I myself will do this. Who is the good shepherd? It's God himself. But there's a really interesting twist, and maybe you heard it read. It's in uh, verses 22 and 23. Look at those verses with me. God says in verse 22, I will rescue my flock. I will judge between sheep and sheep. But then he says in verse 23, I will set up over them one shepherd, 
my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. This is very strange. Question, who is the good shepherd? Well, the good shepherd is God himself, but it's also a servant like David. For hundreds of years, people are scratching their heads thinking, like, who is this? How can this be? And then Jesus shows up. Turn with me to John 10 again. We're not going to do any more turning. John 10. How can God be the good shepherd and also the servant like David, right? A prince like him. In verse 11 of John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, right? He doesn't say, I am a good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And in so many words, right, five to be exact, Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh. I am God in the flesh. I am the prince from heaven. I am the Davidic servant. I am the good shepherd of Ezekiel 34. Not only is Jesus telling us who he is when he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is telling us what he does. Look at John 10, 3. To him, that is to the good shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd calls his sheep. And what does he call them? Jesus calls them his. Jesus calls them mine. Friends, you are not your own. You are not autonomous. You belong to somebody. You belong to God. Where does Jesus call his sheep? Jesus calls them to himself. He calls them out of darkness into light. He calls them out of slavery into freedom. He calls you in order that you might have life and have it abundantly. How does Jesus call the sheep? He calls them by name. He does not call you with a whistle. And he doesn't say, hey, you, Redeemer Burlington, all of you, get over here. He calls all of us to himself by calling each of us by name. He says, Craig and April, Ryan, Matthew, David, right? Samuel, come and follow me. He says this to all of us here. Come and follow me. What else does Jesus do? In verses 3 and 4, we see that Jesus leads us and he feeds us. Right? The good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. But when he has called them and brought them out, he goes before them, right? And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Instantly, I'm reminded of Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus calls the sheep by name. He leads and feeds us. What is more, he seeks out the lost. Look at verse 16. 
He says there, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice. The good shepherd came to seek and save the lost. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Jesus stands up for us. He defends us. He rescues us by interposing his precious blood. Look at verse 11. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why? Why does the shepherd lay down his life for the sheep? You can say that it's because he loves us, and you'd be right. You could say it's the only way to save us, and you'd be right about that as well. Jesus loves us, and his death is the only way that he can save us. The Bible says that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. Our sins, which are many, right, deserve the death penalty. And God, who is just, is going to execute judgment. But the amazing grace is that he is going to take our punishment in our place. He is fully just. He executes judgment. He is fully loving. He dies in our stead. The good shepherd dies so that we don't have to. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. There's still more. If Jesus lays down his life for his sheep, he also takes it up again. Look at verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Megan and I saw the movie Big Hero 6 a couple of weeks ago. You've all seen it. I don't want to give too much away. It's a great movie. We really liked it, and apparently a lot of other people do too, because it was awarded best film for best animated feature uh, at this year's Oscars. And this interests me. Because Big Hero 6 is really a gospel-shaped story. The hero in this film sacrifices his life in order to save his friends, and then he takes it up again. Right? He's resurrected. And after the film, Megan and I were wondering, what is our fascination with resurrection stories? Like, Why do we love them so much? Why do we keep watching them again and again and again, and then award them, saying, this is the best movie in 2015, right? This story is the best. Why do we do that? Why are we so fascinated with them? Could it be because resurrection stories are not just beautiful, right? They're true. That they point us to some deeper reality. And could it be that the reason you love heroes like Baymax and Aslan and Gandalf, heroes who lay down their lives and only to take them up again, you love them precisely because they point you to your ultimate hero. 
You love these heroes because they remind you of Jesus. They remind you of the good shepherd, right? The savior of lost sheep. This text before you says that we are sheep who need a good shepherd, which is to say that we are sheep who need Jesus. Jesus calls his sheep by name. He leads us and he feeds us. He seeks out the lost. He lays down his life for the sheep. He picks it up again and he's going to pick us up again. Right? Jesus is the hero that we need. But that too is not all. Right? If Jesus is the good shepherd who saves the lost sheep, we also need a door that we can enter to get back into his fold. Jesus is that door. Look at verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door for the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the door. He is your way back in. Now, this irks a lot of people. Right? They say, that sounds so exclusive. And they're absolutely right. It is. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way into heaven. Right? Jesus is the only way that outsiders can become insiders. And Jesus is the only way that sinners can be saved. I know, it's an exclusive belief. But hear me. This exclusive belief is the most inclusive of all. Right? This Christian exclusive belief is the most inclusive of all. Yes, Jesus is the only way to the Father, but everybody, absolutely everybody, is invited to come back in. Jesus is the only way. He is your only door. But everybody, Absolutely everybody is invited to come back in. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter who you voted for last November. It doesn't matter where you went to school, how much money you make, what language you speak, what you did 10 years ago, what you did last week. Jesus is saying, I love you. I'm calling you. I want you here with me. We are sheep, and we need a shepherd. And there is a heaven, and we need a way in. And Jesus is saying, I'm the door that you need. If anyone enters by me, you will be saved, and you will find pasture. I want you to picture it this way. Your favorite person in the world invites you over to his or her house for a dinner party. Your favorite person. Maybe that person is a humanitarian. Maybe it's a rock star like Taylor Swift, right? Maybe it's just a relative of yours. Whoever that person is, it doesn't really matter, right? He or she wants you to join them for dinner. And he or she is going to gladly meet you at the door. But guess what, right? In order to go into the dinner party, you've got to go through the front door. I know, I'm sorry, it's a little bit exclusive, The the windows are closed. You can't climb in through the windows. And the back door is locked. 
right? There's only one way in. What are you going to do? Right? Are you not going to go in because it's the only way in? Are you going to refuse this amazing invitation with this person because they have to, you have to go through the front door? Friends, please do not do that. Right? Please do not refuse Jesus' amazing invitation to feast with him and all the saints forever and ever because there's only one way in. You and I need a way into heaven, and Jesus is that door. And God invites everyone to come. An invitation has been placed in your hand. What are you going to do with it? The Bible says that we are sheep. And the Bible says that we need Jesus. Right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because of this, we not only have a good shepherd, we have a way into his fold once again. And the name of our shepherd and the name of our doorway is Jesus. And in a moment, we're going to feast with him. But before we do, let's pray.